Welcome to A Clinical Breath, respiratory insights from industry leaders. A Clinical Breath provides the community with the latest respiratory developments, trends, and expertise, all aimed at improving patient outcomes. Today's episode is brought to you by Monaghan Medical Corporation. Monaghan means it matters. This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Opinions are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect those of Monaghan Medical Corporation. Welcome to A Clinical Breath. This is Respiratory Care Insights from Industry Leaders. Today we have Dr. Michael Bowman, and uh, we're going to discuss health literacy impairment and what actually happens when we try to teach patients on how to use our products and medications. That's a a major issue that is, to some degree, unrecognized in medicine as a whole, but in pediatric asthma areas, it's a real challenge because our treatments are not uh, as obvious as we sometimes, as caregivers, think they are. And it's becoming increasingly recognized, I think, in medicine in general. Understanding health communications are a challenge. I've seen it reported that somewhere between 131 and $260 billion a year are lost related to impaired health literacy. And the inability to understand uh, health communication is not just a matter of education level because you can have a, uh, a professorial multi-degreed person who totally loses it in terms of understanding once the cancer word is used. Um, they hear nothing else. We encourage folks to uh, bring another adult with them to uh, clinic appointments so there's another set of ears listening A lot of times the caregiver who's facing the child in distress may be grandma or the the, uh, divorced parent who has the weekend with a child, and they haven't been to clinic, and so they don't know what's been said. Sometimes grandparents will be asking the child, who may be five, which medicine do we take? Uh, What are we supposed to do now? And they're panicked because the child is in major distress. And so I think we need to be attentive to try to make sure that our parents or caregivers are able to not only take care of the child the way we want them to be cared for, but also reach out to these alternative caregivers Mm -hmm. to help them get through and be successful as well. What's interesting is that uh, we always think we're doing such a great job when, when the patient comes to visit. But after seeing about 30 patients in a day, what, what are some things you can recommend for healthcare providers to uh, maybe keep it a little more uh, understandable for patients? The overall recommendation is to not use doctor speak, uh, to not use uh, medical lingo, to talk in uh, fourth or fifth grade language level. I feel that uh, no one knows what that is because when our kids are in fourth or fifth grade, they're reading at an eighth or ninth grade level and we can never remember what a fourth grade level of understanding might be. So what I teach residents and med students is to not use three syllable words. Uh, That if you use one and two syllable words and only rarely a three syllable or more word, you're going to be in basic communication. Another major thing 
that a clinic or a practice needs to do is to work out a way that when an appointment is over, that someone checks with the family about what did they learn. And it turns out that if you ask a family, do you have questions, especially minority and shy folks will say, no, I'm fine. Whereas if, if your nurse says, or your respiratory therapist or the doctor if, or nurse if they have time, well, if they say, to help me understand how well I taught, tell me what you learned from today. That puts the onus on the caregiver who's the teacher in that regard. So it can be the, the clinic nurse who was the intake person when the, when the patient came in. But if they say, um, what did Dr. Bowman tell you today we we're going to do differently? And if they can't tell you, then that means they or I need to redo it. And so that's called the teach back method. And it takes the um, onus off the patient and their understanding and puts it on the caregiver as the teacher. And that winds up getting you into more um, uh, accurate understanding of how well we taught what we were trying to do. That's excellent. I'm wondering too now about written materials and what you send home with the patient and how, how they're able to uh, interpret you know, what you send. <laughs> and that is, again, a, a very important thing because we depend in, in general asthma care on the asthma action plan. And that is supposed to tell folks, uh, whoever is caring for the child, um, what to do in what situation. If they're doing well, these are their medicines. If they have a cough or a wheeze, do this. If they're getting really in distress or they can't speak, do this. Um, I think a lot of our patients, if they're not really comfortable with reading, um, they don't get the newspaper, they don't have a library card, uh, they just are not comfortable with small font pages, they may look at a, an asthma action plan or other instructions that's full page of type, maybe with a little color here or there, um, they may just pitch it say, I don't understand that, or I don't have time. And so it's, it's gone. And that leaves the grandparent or the alternative spouse, parent or whatever um, totally at bay. And um, the physician or nurse prescriber may send a copy to the school along with the rescue medicine. So they may have it at school, but that may not help the, the family in times of need. And the action plan is so important for dealing with what to do when things go wrong. And that's, that I think is a major part of understanding how do we get words across that uh, they can understand. I think it's important where possible to try to get pictures of the devices onto the action plan, and that is sometimes difficult to do. Some of the electronic record programs don't have pictures of each of the different devices or the spacers. And so trying to say, this is your controller medicine, this is your rescue medicine, just the, the name doesn't always work because the uh, pharmacy may put the generic name or they may put the trade name. And when there's any confusion, things don't go well. Can you expect everyone in the healthcare system to participate in the education? I would surely like to. <laughs> uh, 
the American Medical Association has a fascinating video on um, health literacy. And they point out that if you ask a person about their medication, and if it's someone who is literate, they'll look at the label and say, this is my hypertension medicine. If they're not, if, they're, if they have difficulty with, with the words, they'll open it and look inside and say, oh, that's the yellow one. That's my high blood pressure medicine. And so when they change to a different generic or a different contract medication, that can go all haywire. We have problems with uh, when the formulary changes that the controller medicine is different and the family may know nothing about it till they go to the pharmacy and they're told, sorry, they won't cover your medicine. I can give it to you for $300 or there's this other one that, that we can substitute. And they might take the substitution, but very often they'll leave because they think there's a mistake. And every time they leave the pharmacy without the medicine, there's a chance they're not going to come back. So that's another part of literacy and understanding the medicines that are um, prescribed and how they're supposed to be used that uh, needs to be improved. I feel we need to get pharmacists much more involved in asthma education and management. They are the ones who see where the medications are uh, dispensed. They know what has been dispensed previously. If they've gotten three rescue medicines and no controller medicines in six months, they know that. And so there needs to be communication with the prescribers, but they can also be educators about how to use this device. This is how you use a spacer. This is how you do this or that. And we're markedly underutilizing those folks at this time. Mm -hmm. Who else do you think can play a role in education? It takes a village to raise a child, certainly a child with asthma. We need a village of adults to understand. We need to um, get the idea across to grandma or grandpa that they can't smoke uh, or they shouldn't smoke. Uh, we need to get the action plans that are understandable and useful. And they're in every place the child might be. That means on the field trip, after school, with the sports teams, uh, as well as in with the school nurse. A lot of uh, churches wind up having a, a health ministry. And they're another area where it's possible to reach out to try to deal with the community and, and help improve the understanding. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, uh, just recently after a clinic visit, I was uh, given some details about a medication and also a stack of papers <laughs> that uh, outlined just about everything, which of course I didn't read. Could you help us try to um, simplify how you would approach uh, a, a patient, especially one that was having difficulty understanding? How would you approach it in a very simple, simple way? I would love it if every practice that deals with kids who have asthma would have a certified asthma educator as part of the staff. I think that one thing that is perhaps stupidly simple is using the correct language. Um, we had in one of our clinics a uh, Hispanic family, and we, we knew that, that they didn't speak English well. It took us several years to realize that mom was illiterate in Spanish mm -hmm. as well as 
not knowing English. And so we just assumed that because they spoke Spanish, all we had to do was give them written materials in Spanish. That didn't help at all. There are some settings where a, a seven or eight or nine-year-old child may be the best uh, recipient of teaching compared to their parents for whatever reason. And so that depends on continuity and understanding. And these days, many practices don't have the same continuity that folks are used to from the past so that the physician or the nurse practitioner who sees a child for a walk-in post-ER visit uh, may not be their long-term caregiver. And so uh, there, there is a lot of stuff there. Um, Dr. Randy Brown from the University of Michigan uh, is very on target when he says that asthma is as much a disease of communication as it is inflammation. And that is so true. We focus on the inflammation, but the communication with the family, with the patient, and among the caregivers and the school and such is really crucial. Getting back to the issue of health literacy, there's actually a health literacy thesaurus that's available online where you can take any uh, medical term that you want and find a simpler way to say it. So injection becomes a shot and that sort of thing. I think the first thing is to pay attention to understanding or worrying about whether the patient understands. And the teach-back method in a whole variety of settings can be very helpful. Well, thank you, Dr. Bowman. This was very, very interesting. I think uh, we all could do a better job trying to get across to our patients uh, how to properly take their medications and about their diseases. I thank you so much for your Great. time today. Thank you. I enjoyed it. You've been listening to A Clinical Breath, respiratory insights from industry leaders. Brought to you by Monaghan Medical Corporation. Monaghan means it matters. Thanks for listening and tune in again for more respiratory-related topics.